Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. As we conclude our series in the letter to the Ephesians, we wonder about how to live faithfully to God when there are powers in the world that resist Him. We will discover that evil lurks in places we don't normally think, and we will learn how we can be equipped by God to stand firm in His grace. One of my favorite films from the early 2000s was a Ridley Scott epic called Kingdom of Heaven. It is a brutal portrayal of a story that takes place in actual historical events. It is a little fictitious, and yet there are a number of moments where it's very, very accurate. See, the Kingdom of Heaven, the movie, is about... The Crusades. The Crusades when the church blessed and sanctified and even commissioned armies to go into the Middle East and go to war. The reasoning often was because Christians could lay claim to it because Jesus, our Savior, was born there. Jesus lived there. Of course, there are two other parties that would also lay claim to that same land. But the church in this moment, as an institution, decided that they might go to war and use violence to get this land. And this movie, I believe, captures something that we often don't see. We often don't see when we talk about historical events and that there are powers on the sides influencing the people who are talking about doing horrendous things to other humans in the name of God. And I thought, I watched this clip earlier this week and I thought, oh my, how these actors portray this so well. How ironic that all of these people have the cross of Christ on their, on their, uh, on their tunic and yet seem so far from what God desires for this world. So we're going to show a clip from the kingdom of heaven. And would you take, take note of what might be the forces behind this debate to go to war. It was no caravan. It was an army headed for Bethlehem to desecrate the birthplace of our Lord. Reynolds, with the Templars, have broken the king's pleasure of peace. Saladin will come into this king. Tiberius knows more than a Christian should about Saladin's intentions. I would rather live with men than kill them is certainly why you are alive. That sort of Christianity has its uses, I suppose. We must not go to war with Saladin. We do not want it, and we may not win it. Blasphemy! An army of Jesus Christ which bears his holy cross cannot be beaten. This account of Tiberius suggests that it could be there must be war. God wills it! God wills it! 
There's a moment that you see the eyes of these men having this debate or argument or however you might want to go. And it turns from a debate to obviously God wants us to go to war. It turns like that. And you can see the rage in the eyes of these men. And because we have the cross on us, we will win. That, my friends, is taking the Lord's name in vain. That, my friends, is men thinking that they are in God's will, but are actually under the influence of something far more dangerous, far worse than what we even think. They are under the influence of evil powers that they do not know. And it comes in the form, in this moment, of arrogance and power. The thirst for power. The thirst to be able to do anything that they desire. Because they have God's cross on their armor. No one in the church these days looks back on the Crusades and says, yeah, we did God's will. No one does. And if they do, they are excusing behavior that is not even close to what we read about in Scripture and not even close to being Jesus Christ who we are to emulate in everything. And that's been our series. Has it not been Ephesians? It has been, let us recognize what Jesus has done for the world. And because of what He has done in the world, new realities are possible between you and me. From the very beginning, Paul has said, Jesus has defeated sin and death, and because of this, the will of God is not for divisions to remain and not for wars to go and for Christians to participate in arguments and culture wars and actual physical wars, but rather Christians are called to something new, to bringing everyone under the reign of Christ by proclaiming the good news that brings love and peace and hope and joy into the world. And Paul is very clear, this is how you do it. It is not being combative, it's not being divisive, it's not taking on the things that you want to do and succumbing to the drives that our bodies or our minds might want to do, but rather we live differently in action, in word, in attitude. Every moment, last, this was last week, every moment is an opportunity to do the will of God. Every moment. Work, play, rest. While you're driving on the, on the uh, bypass. Every moment, we are called to bring this kingdom of peace. And we do so by living differently and saying different things in different ways than the rest of the world. But Paul recognizes that there are moments 
when humans will take God's name and use it for their own devices. And he recognizes that there are more powers at work than just our own wills and just God in the world. And he equips the people who he is writing to for how to stand firm in Christ when these different influences will come our way. As I shared with you, we are reading in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. We read these words. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and His powerful strength. Put on God's armor so that you can make a stand against the tricks of the devil. We are not fighting against human enemies but against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. Therefore, pick up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground on the evil day and after you have done everything possible to still stand. So stand with the belt of truth around your waist justice as your breastplate, and put shoes on your feet so that you are ready to spread the good news of peace. Above all, carry the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. Offer prayers and petitions in the Spirit all the time. Stay alert by hanging in there and praying for all believers. And as for me, pray that when I open my mouth, I'll get a message that confidently makes his secret plan of the gospel known. I'm an ambassador in change for the sake of the gospel. Pray so that the Lord will give me the confidence to say what I have to say. Not all people in the world have given their lives over to the reign of Christ. We know that. But it's interesting that in this moment, Paul does not make those who do not believe in Christ the enemy. He does not. We do not have a human enemy. We have something far more dark at work and it is spiritual forces that guide rulers and authorities and just the way things are in this world. It's really interesting. So often we are tempted to make enemies of humans. But we trust this institution or this leader or this ruler or this party or this, that, these and those over people in our lives. You know what that is? That is the evil that continues to battle the kingdom of God. That is the evil, the spiritual forces that infiltrate the very things that we just think as normal. Because guess what, friends? There is no authority, no government, no worldview, no one but Christ 
that can bring good and peace and love and holiness into the world. And what Paul is saying is, keep your eyes open. If it looks like Christ, then it is Christ. If it doesn't look like Christ, don't give anything to it. Friends, I'm going to share a few worldviews that are spouted by leaders, by economists, by even religious leaders. I've heard it said before. And they say, just accept this. We can't do anything about this. Even though Jesus did everything in His life to address these things in our world. For example, you ever heard that poverty will always be among us? So just go about your life. And yet Jesus went to those who were most impoverished and gave them food, served them, brought healing to them. That voice that says, oh, we can't do anything about it is straight from the devil. Maybe you've heard that your vote counts so much and will affect so much in the world, and yet we so often believe that that is more effective than just simply loving our neighbor as ourselves. We think that, oh, great, I can't wait to vote and do this. How does your life look? How does your relationships look? with your family members, with your neighbors. We begin to believe these things. We hear that certain leaders say, don't trust people who don't look like you, who are seeking refuge. When God speaks continuously throughout Scripture to give shelter to those who are refugees, to give shelter to strangers, how we might be entertaining angels. I've heard pastors sanctify violence all the time. When Jesus Himself did not be violent, but rather showed how to love your neighbor as yourself by giving yourself and He endured violence and death so that we might be saved. It's my body! And I can do what I want with it! No, God made you a son and daughter. And He has a great way for you to live with your body. It's a gift. These are the messages we are hearing from institutions, from rulers, from authorities, and I'm here to tell you that so often it is evil spiritual powers that are guiding those worldviews. And we have fallen prey to it. We have. And Paul knows this. Paul knows this because he is talking to a bunch of Gentiles who have been listening to rulers and authorities that say some of the same things that we believe still today. But Christ has overcome sin and death. We, we live in different 
truth. We live in a different reality. We live differently in what we say and what we do. We have a different purpose in this world. And that purpose is to bring all under the reign of Christ, which is a reign of peace. Otherwise, what we have talked about over the past few weeks, just throw it out the window. There is no reason to believe that, there, that the divisions have been broken between you and your neighbor. There is no reason to live any differently than the rest of the world. There is no reason to do anything than what you're used to. If we don't really believe that Jesus defeated sin and death, then let's keep on living the same way that we have. Or, we can live in a truth that says Jesus has died on the cross so that sins would be forgiven and has risen from the grave to defeat death. And the reason why there's still evil in the world is every single war that has ever been fought the losing side usually doesn't get the memo. Seriously, look through world history. There is a moment when a war is over, and yet people here, there, everywhere are still fighting. And evil is still fighting. They might know that, that they've lost. I don't know. But they're still going to fight. They are still up against Jesus Christ and his will for this world. And so what Ephesians does is it conveys a sense that powers of evil pervade our world. But God's power is superior to any of those forces. So we as followers of Christ, every moment and every action and every word is doing God's will and pushing back these forces. We are called to stand firm. And that's exactly what Paul says. Stand firm. You don't hear him saying, let's go to war! Stand firm. It's a much different posture than hurrah. And so, to do this, to stand firm, we must be equipped by God. We must be strengthened by God. That's how this all started, remember? Be strengthened by God. Don't be strengthened by this or that. Don't be strengthened by your own knowledge. Don't be strengthened by this piece of media. Don't be strengthened by the weapons that you have. Do not be strengthened by the things of this world. Rather, be strengthened by God alone. And he shares a metaphor that has been used in Scripture before, but also will be very, very, well, it will describe to this Gentile church that is used to Rome in a way that they understand. They see Roman centurions everywhere. And so he shares a metaphor of the armor of God. But it's so ironic because this armor is to be put on to do what? To promote the gospel of peace. 
Armor is usually put on to go to war, to go to battle. But this is to live faithfully in the will of God, bringing about peace in this world and bringing forth His will for this world. That's the big difference. Every time I've heard this preached for 35 years, I've heard it like I'm going to war. But if you actually listen to the entire letter of Ephesians and what it's actually about, it's about bringing the gospel of peace and uniting people together. Not to divide and conquer, but to unite them under Christ. And so that's a far different stance in understanding the armor of God than what we're used, what we're used to armor doing for us. And as we go over these pieces of clothing, because that's what they are, that's what armor is, it's a piece of clothing, we need to recognize something. That this metaphor is pointing to values of God. Amy Mulder says this, Paul is asking the Ephesians to wear inner values outside as clothing. Our goal is to stand, and Paul is instructing us that standing needs the whole armor of God. In order to stand firm in the midst of all of these evil powers and all of these rulers and authorities and all these worldviews that look to take us away from Christ, we need this. So let's look at it. There are five pieces of clothing that are for defense. And there's one for offense. So let's look at the Let's start with the, the articles that are for defense. He starts with the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Truth is the important part here. What is the truth? That Jesus Christ has died and raised again so that we might be saved and might bring forth a new world, a new kingdom into this world. And what do belts do? Well, I know. Most of us aren't used to the belts that, that uh, centurions used to wear. Most of us have belts to so just make sure our pants stay up. Amen? Thank you, belt. But a belt was also where you would put your different articles that you needed, whether it be a canteen or whether it be Another article that we find here. It holds everything in place. Truth is to hold all of our lives in place. And the truth is that Jesus has saved us and raised us for a new life. That's the truth. And sin and death has been defeated. That's the truth. So our belt holds our very lives in that salvation, in that, in that truth. The breastplate of justice, our translation says justice, yours might say righteousness. A breastplate, of course, covers your vital organs, your heart, your lungs, your stomach. And where is the seat of our emotions, the seat of our being? It's in our heart. These vital parts of our lives. The seat of who we are is to be found in God's justice. And what is God's justice, friends? 
God's justice is that in light of the sin that all of us have done, He has given us mercy and grace and forgiveness. So our hearts are not to be guided by anger, getting even, but rather by His relationship with us. And that relationship is one of forgiveness and love and mercy. May that cover and protect our heart. That is God's justice. That is God's righteousness for the world. And so as we go forward, may we be so forgiving. May we be so merciful and loving and graceful. Shoes of peace. Why do you put shoes on? So you can go somewhere. And everywhere you go, it is to bring peace into the world. Shoes of peace. Peace is to guide every step that we take into this world. And that means, that doesn't mean conflict doesn't come our way. It means that we are looking to be peacemakers in a world that loves chaos and violence and conflict. We look to be steady and firm in Christ when everybody else is trying to be divisive and fight. A shield of faith. Remember, all these are def- this is all about defense here, y'all. Do you hear that? This is all about defense. There is nothing here. Let's go. This is all about protecting our very lives in Christ. The shield of faith. What is faith, friends? Faith is a new life in Christ. It is a renewed mind, a renewed heart. And so the shield gives us protection from these evil powers that look to move us in different ways outside of Christ. It is our faith that roots us in Christ and protects us against those arrows that might come our way. And lastly, the helmet of salvation. You know what our brains do? Our brains play tricks on us. Let's be honest. When you are feeling threatened, what does your brain trigger? Fear. It triggers our fight or our flight response. And when he says helmet of salvation, he is saying, allow the reality that Jesus has saved you to be what protects your mind. There is nothing in this world that can take His love away from you. Nothing! No government, no person who's being unfair to you, no family member. Nothing! God loves you. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. (laughs) And He has saved you. Live in that life. And may it guide the very way that you think and see other people. There's one part of the armor, though, that is for offense. And this is one that I think we often misunderstand so often. 
the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. And immediately, we, those who grew up in the church heard that this book is God's Word. This didn't exist when Paul wrote this. Do you hear me? This did not exist when Paul wrote this letter. He is not talking about the Bible. He is talking about the very Word of God that has come to us in Jesus Christ. The very Gospel that all can be reclaimed to Him. That the very life who Je that Jesus lived is to be the way that we go into the world living. That is the Word of God. We become like Christ. We put clothe ourselves with Christ by the power of the Spirit who is upon us. That is the sword of the Spirit, friends. It's not a book to go, hmm, what does it say so I can judge everybody in my uh, Facebook feed? It's not a thing that you swing around like it's a sword, which I've literally seen pastors do that before. This is not a weapon. This shows us who Jesus is, and Jesus is God's Word. Jesus is the very good news for our world. So we must not just trust in Him and believe in Him. We must be like Him. We must be like Him. And lastly, Paul ends... He doesn't use a metaphor for this moment, but it might as well be a part of the armor. He ends with pray. Pray. Pray for me. Pray for other believers that we would be equipped to live in the way that Christ lived himself. Pray that we would all be equipped to understand what is evil and what is not. Pray that we put on the armor of God to do God's will in the world. Friends, prayer is essential for a life with Christ. If you're not praying, very likely you are not receiving transformation in your life. You are not able to decipher what is evil and what is of Christ. Very likely, if you are not praying, you are relying upon yourself for the different circumstances, for the relationships that you have, and to defeat whatever temptation or sin that's in your life. We must pray. We must pray. Because prayer is telling God where we are and opening ourselves to His Spirit to work within us. And in the same moment we pray for others, to receive that same amazing gift. Friends, we need to recognize that the values of Christ are to be lived in our lives. That humility that we talked about, that gentleness that we talked about, that love that we hear about, that acceptance that we are called to have, to abandon selfish impulses and greed and immorality and impurity. 
to not allow anger to direct how we treat another person, and to recognize that every moment of our lives is an opportunity for us to share the good news of Christ and to bring about His will in this world. And you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to listen to those voices. You're going to be tempted to just say, well, this is the way the world is. Jesus is bringing in a new world, and we're a part of that. Don't trust those voices. They are guided by powers that think sin and death are the best things in the entire world. Don't do it. Don't trust it. So friends, the armor of God equips each and every one of us to go and do the will of God. To preach the gospel of peace that Jesus brought to the world. The armor of God is not some little personal protection so that we can go and divide and conquer with our doctrines and with our beliefs. For us to go engage in the culture wars of the day. God says, don't participate in those. You're no different than the crusaders who killed in the name of God. The armor of God is given that we would do the will of God, bringing all things under Christ with His gospel of peace through living lives of humility, gentleness, love, acceptance, and holiness. As he ends his letter, we hear these words. May there be peace with the brothers and sisters, as well as love with the faith that comes from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May grace be with all those who love our, Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ forever. Paul comes right back to the beginning says the words peace and love once again. The armor of God, friends, is not to divide and conquer, to go into Bethlehem to take back from the Muslim army. It's not to take advantage of winning arguments with people that what we believe is so superior to them or what we do is so greater than them. It is to bring forth the love that Jesus shared with us, the grace that He has given us, and the peace that He brings to our lives and is bringing into the world. So friends, may we be so bold to equip ourselves with this armor. An armor not to destroy and not to coerce and not to be violent, but rather to be peacemakers and to be lovers and to be people of hope and joy. We do not take the name of God for our own devices. We do not crusade. Rather, we live faithfully in Him. And by doing so, we share His Word through our actions, through our words, and through our attitudes. And we bring others along with us under the reign of Christ. Even though evil seeks to act like it's going to win, it's already been won, y'all. And that's the greatest news I can give to you today. May we, friends, equip ourselves with the armor of God so that we might be the people God has called us to be.
Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.